What was the very first thing you did when you got out of bed this morning? Well, okay, the second thing. If you're anything like me, you made yourself a cup of strong coffee. I think it's a miracle that I can actually make coffee before I drink a cup of coffee. But for me, coffee is something of a miracle. Sure, it's been linked to the prevention of Alzheimer's and at wards or Parkinson's and heart failure. We know all about those studies. But for me, one cup of coffee is better than two Tylenol because it eases all those aches and pains I wake up with. Forgive me, but... Coffee is just about all I can think about today because I'm having a medical procedure and I'm not allowed to have any. I'm tired, I'm grumpy, and I can't think straight. I've already put my underwear on backwards and I'm feeling so all-around contrary that I just might leave them that way. Because coffee affects the brain in a similar way as amphetamines, I've often wondered why our puritanical government never banned it, like Muslims did in the Middle Ages because it stimulated radical thinking, like the Catholic Church did because they considered coffee a satanic drink. In the Ottoman Empire, anyone found purchasing or selling coffee got beaten on their first offense. If caught a second time, they'd be sewn into a leather bag and tossed into the Bosporus Strait. The exact origin of coffee is a mystery, but historians believe it was discovered in Ethiopia around the 15th century. According to legend, a goat herder named Kaldi noticed his goats were particularly energetic after eating a certain berry. Upon tasting the berry himself, Kaldi found that he felt much more awake and alert. He told the abbot of his local monastery about it, and the abbot came up with the idea of drying and boiling the berries to make a beverage, and soon Arab Sufi monks were using it to stay awake and reach divine consciousness during midnight prayers. In the Middle East, alcohol was forbidden, but men started to gather in cafes that served coffee to listen to music, play chess, and share the news. Coffee became known as the wine of Araby. When coffee arrived in England in the 17th century, it totally changed British culture. In a society that was intensely hierarchical, the idea that you could socialize with the upper classes was radical. Communal tables were covered with newspapers and pamphlets. Coffee drinkers discussed ideas and wrote the news. In Oxford, local coffee houses were known as penny universities because for the cost of one cup of coffee, you could hang out with intellectuals such as Isaac Newton, who once dissected a dolphin on a communal table. Women, as you might expect, were excluded from coffee houses and protested vehemently. In the widely circulated Women's Petition Against Coffee, wives argued that coffee made men neglect their families and spend all their money and time drinking what they called that black, thick, nasty, bitter, stinking, nauseous puddle water. In the American colonies after the Boston Tea Party, 
Coffee was known as the patriotic drink, and the Green Dragon Tavern in the North End was nicknamed the headquarters of the revolution for housing secret meetings of the Sons of Liberty. As the Industrial Revolution gained steam, workers sometimes had to choose coffee over food because it enabled them to work day and night. After an inventor named George Constant Lewis Washington developed a way to mass-produce instant coffee, it was included in ration kits during World War I. Soldiers fired up their little oil heaters in foxholes to make what they called a cup of George, a name that some people claim was slightly altered by troops in World War II who called it a cup of Joe. Obsessed and depressed and lacking finesse, I'm obviously suffering coffee withdrawal. But I choose to look at the bright side and see myself as just one more workaholic intellectual speed freak standing cup in hand in wait of a bright new dawn, which better begin with a cup of coffee. I'm Ira Wood, and that's my opinion.